This special live recorded episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is brought to you by Samsung. Samsung keeps innovating. I mean, they really do. They're on the ball. The They're Samsung. always doing new things. Yes, yes. I can't even keep up. Well, you can never keep up, oh. but uh, I'm okay. very good at keeping up, and I can't keep up with Samsung. Yeah. Last year, Samsung launched the Gaming Hub, no console required. Oh, that's I don't nice. know if you remember this, Blay, but you and I did a Clueless Gamer yeah, of with co- this technology. Of course I remember. Well, I didn't what know do you. you mean? <laughs> you have such an exciting life. That's not true at all. You this travel is... the world. You're like a no. you know a Bond villain. No, playing uh, playing on the the Samsung TV without a console was one of the highlights of my year last year. It was great. It was fantastic. We had a very good time. Super fun. Samsung has now integrated the gaming hub into the Samsung Freestyle. Stream thousands of games all on the Freestyle second gen portable projector from Samsung. It's pretty cool, right? It is really cool. You know, I got to say, the crazy thing is it automatically adjusts to the surface that's being projected on. Yep. And I'm not kidding. This is wild. You can like put it on the floor and it will automatically adjust the angle. So when you're staring at the the wall or the projector, it is still the aspect. Oh, that's perfect. Good. No, Truly. last night I watched Citizen Kane projected on my bare chest. <laughs> And guess what? It's a better movie that way. I don't, wait, you projected it and you looked in the mirror and uh-huh. you watched yeah. it that yeah. way? So I was using white. x-ray specs. It was oh. so weird. Yeah, I, I saw so such a different, skin. it's a totally different movie that way. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, but, happily. Yeah, uh, but it, it adjusts to, uh, up to 100 <laughs> inches. Yeah. Up to, which is maybe good for Adjusts up to 100 inches. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't no. touch that line with a 10-foot pole. Okay. okay. All right. Anyway, right. where was that in high school? Hey, <laughs> oh my God. It, it's a great, uh, great invention. Samsung, they're always innovating. Oh, you have more to say? Well, the other thing I want to say is everyone in the live audience for this show got to see the Freestyle Second Gen Portable Projector in action. Very mm. cool. Which is incredibly cool. Very cool. So like Oprah it. gives people things, <laughs> but we let them see how it works and then we tell them to go out and buy it. That's right. Fantastic. We just show them something cool. Yet another way that I'm different from Oprah. Hey, no, it is very cool though. Check it out. Stream thousands of games, no console required now on the Freestyle Second Gen with Gaming Hub on Samsung. Streaming games on Samsung Gaming Hub requires a high-speed internet connection, additional gaming service subscription, and compatible controller required. Well, I sort of wanted to normalize the word wank in America because it's, like, not used that much. So, hi, my name is Ed Sheeran. And I feel wank about being Conan (laughs) O'Brien. What a great crowd. Thank you for being here. This is very nice of you. Yeah. Well, good night, everybody. The uh, easily pleased crowd. When a crowd's as happy to see you go as they are to see you show up, that's a bad sign. Uh, did you just mention, Blay, that there is going to be drinks for the crowd after the show? That's right. Why not, be- drinks, why not drinks before and during the show? I- What's wrong with that? Next time. Next time. We're always learning. And once again, they've added another row. That's true. I, first time we did this here at the SiriusXM Garage, it was just this audience here. Then I said, I think we could have more. That's right. So they added one row. I yeah. said, I think it could be more. <laughs> they added one more row. None of you would be here were it not yeah, for me. that's true. That's absolutely true. None of you would be here. Hi, how are you? I love your hair and the, <laughs> hi, how are you? Hi. <laughs> 
I was bullied. Um, anyway, oh, and look at that. That's a, that's a late night with Conan O'Brien shirt. Oh, those are good. made of asbestos. Be careful. <laughs> those, those are not, yeah. Yeah, we just took old sh- sh- like ER shirts and Friends shirts and spray painted them. Yeah. Have you ever worn it in the rain? They catch fire. True story, yeah. Don't wear it. That stuff is shit. Uh, not that one. That one's cool. Yeah. No, it's very nice to be here. We have a, I have a great show. We have such a good show. Very excited. Very good show. Very good show tonight. Excited. I like that you paused for a long time before you brought me out as if it was a big mystery. Yeah. You went, and now it's time to bring out. And there was this long, weird pause. Well, I, I had... And I thought you had gas or something. You were just... There was this long, like, who could it be? <laughs> Everyone here knows. Well, yeah, we, we want the anticipation. We want people frothing at the mouth. I shouldn't have said frothing at the mouth, but, you know, the anticipation yeah. high. Yeah, what you described is botulism. <laughs> Sorry. Which a lot of Conan fans have, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Thank you for coming so far. I'm just going to assume you all came from a really great distance. Did anyone come from very... Where'd you come from? Oh, Long Beach. Come on, I was hoping you'd say, like, Guam. We took 11 planes and a submarine and then a hovercraft. No, but uh, you came from Long Beach. Well, that's, what is that? Uh, That's about 35 minutes. Wow, diehard fans I have. The, The Guam of California. Yeah, it is the Guam of California. It really is. Well, thank you. What's your name? Hi. Hi, Ty. It's nice to meet you. Yeah, how are you? And you have your friends with you here? Or are you just here by... Great. Oh, great. So you all came together from Long Beach. Who really came from a great distance? Who came from far, far away? Yes. Riverside. <laughs> Riverside. So that would be like 39 minutes. We're seeing here the depth and the intensity of Conan fandom. People... Come, oh, I don't even want to... I see you raising your hand, and I don't even want to know... Oh, Northwest Hollywood. <laughs> yes, go ahead. My apartment building is attached to this. No! Your apartment building is attached? You literally slid down a pole. Like a fireman to get here. And you look, you're wearing pajamas. You were, as- you were asleep 11 minutes ago, and you're like, eh, I don't want to see Conan, but I guess I'll see his guest. Bloop! Right down into his seat. Do you come see a lot of serious shows? This is your first one. The first one that enticed you out of your apartment that's 18 inches from where I'm standing right now. You should have a party for all of us after the show. We should all go back to your apartment. What's that? Will I come? (laughs) No, I will not. I've got to get back to Riverside because that's also where I live. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how good a crowd you are. If you're a really good crowd, who knows? Man, stop by. <laughs> Although when a man my age who's married with grown children shows up at a party, it can be misunderstood. It can come across as a little creepy. What's he doing here? He just invited himself. You know, I've talked for a long time, uh, and really I should uh, invite out the true stars of the show. I'm just kidding. But uh, I do love them, and together I think we, might, we, we make quite a team. I'm going to bring him out right now. Son of Obsession and Mr. Matt Gorley. Let's get him out here. Yay. Yay. Hey, see? I'm going to now, this is something that's very difficult to do in my business, switch from this mic to that mic. It's a very difficult procedure, but when you're dealing with a professional, it can be quite easily done. 
I was warming up the crowd, and it turns out there might be a party happening after the show. All right. Inches from where we're sitting Whoa. right now, Sona and Matt. Okay. Yeah, wow. and Sona likes to party. I do. I yeah. do. You know what? Earlier, I was in the bathroom with a bunch of these guys, mm-hmm. and I leaned up um, on the sink, and it was wet, and my butt is completely wet right now. And so when I came in, Wait I Wait a minute. That's the seat where- our guest is going to sit. Yes, our guest is going to sit and uh, what ask What a crappy sink show water. we have. <laughs> it's okay. It's SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> our first guest, SpongeBob. We immediately take care of the problem. Yeah. With his spongy ass. Um, why were you hanging out in the bathroom with the crowd beforehand? What kind of show business is this? I don't know. She were was you... in the bathroom of that lady's apartment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see. I went to her house. Was everyone in this crowd hanging out in that woman's. Uh, ma'am, uh, miss? What is ma'am? I call her ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm in a 1930s Oklahoma vaudeville sketch. <laughs> what is your name, young lady? Emily. All right. Emily's having a party in her apartment above the Sirius XM afterwards. Uh, and Sony, you'll probably go. You'll go to anything. Why did you say You're it like that? Only, oh, because you will if you find out that the, the, the snacks and the drinks are free. Yeah, you're there. Actually, that is true. I like yeah, to I be love included. how you immediately, every time I do this with Sona, she'll be like, what? What do you mean? And I'll <laughs> restate the thing I just said, and she'll go, that's true. Yeah. Um, it's, you're right. If, if there is free food and free drinks, I'll be there. But yeah. also, I just like to be included. I like when people invite me to things. That's nice. Yeah. Well, she didn't invite you yet, but oh. she <laughs> invited most of the crowd. I oh, think it's she's the doing a thing with her yeah. hand, so I'm going to do it. Uh, well, listen, I found out from the crowd, because I always like to find out, and people really came from all over the globe. And when I say globe, if it was a globe that was shrunk down to the size of roughly a 15-mile radius of Los Angeles. Yeah. A globe that size. But we have people from uh, Riverside here. Uh, Oh, Riverside is not close. Yeah, no. You came all the way from Altadena. Okay, Conan, it's not... They don't even use American currency there. It's... I swear to God, it's all Armenian currency. Well, um, Armenian, yeah. where, where people were wooing Altadena. I That's think... good. I, I wasn't saying anything bad about it. I was just saying it's amazing. It's incredible that you live in Altadena. So Why is it Armenian currency? I don't know. Um, I don't know because there are a lot of your family there. You have. <laughs> <laughs> Can you I've name seen... what the Armenian currency is? <laughs> yeah, the the jub the jub 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 jub. Okay. What is it? The didam. But what? The didam. Yeah. What? You just It's what? the didab. Didab. We went together. Remember? I know. Right. I don't see you throwing a lot of didab around. <laughs> what do you mean? I wouldn't throw it. You threw it around when we were there. I didn't pay for anything. That's true. You That's don't pay why for things. I was cool with going with you. Yeah. <laughs> I pay for everything. It's very true. Yeah. Anyway, people from all over the all over Los Angeles are here. That's and, exciting. Uh, it's very cool. And I'm very thrilled that they're all here. And Matt, I'm excited about the show. Yeah, me too. We have a terrific show today. We're going to have a very good time. And uh, how are you? I didn't get to really chat with you yet. I'm good. I'm good. Sona and I got here way too early, so we went over to the 99 cent store across the street to see if everything actually is 99 cents. We did do that, yeah. though. Yeah. 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 No, when Matt said it, I didn't think. <laughs> <laughs> You're way too cool to do that. No, I thought, of course you did that. No one here is like, what? The Fonz went to the 99 cent store? <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so what did you find out? That n- hardly anything is priced at 99 A cents. lot of it has gone up to $1.19. Yeah. Um, but there's still a few items that are still 99 cents. That's no America I want to live in. No. <laughs> if you're calling it a 99 cent store, then I think it should cost 99 cents or below. Once it's $1.19, I think I want to move to a foreign land like Altadena. You okay. know, someplace far away. 
where I'm protected. All right. Um, you won't be protected there. I will. Your family Your family loves me. I mean, yeah, against their I better judgment. they do. After everything you've said about my dad's mustache, he still, like, really likes you. He made a doll that came to life. <laughs> I love Geppetto. Uh, so what's the story? What uh, yeah. You know, you're, you see, so you went to the NS. Here's what I did. They told me, you have to wait uh, back here where the crowd won't see you. And I said, okay. And I thought they were leading me to a dressing room. And they led me to the garage at Sirius XM. <laughs> I'm not talking about Sirius XM garage, like this is the garage. It's a real garage. How long were you and in the garage? And my car is there, like 20 minutes. Um. So I just sat on my car and watched other cars come and go and people would just wave at me and i go, yeah, hi. They'd be like, look, it's, it's the girl from the Wendy's logo. And I'd go, hi, how are you? Nice to see you. This is where I am in show business. Yeah. I'm sitting on the trunk of my car in a garage. You're such a big celebrity. You bet. Yeah. The biggest. Yeah. The very biggest. That's All right, we nice. got to get into it. We have a very big show today. I'm excited. I am too. Me I too. am too. I'm really a huge excited. huge star is here. I think uh, I think his uh, people made a mistake. But anyway, we're thrilled that he's here. <laughs> he's like, well, no, he's been on the show several times. I love this guy. My guest today is a Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter who released his sixth album, Subtract, earlier this year. Now he has a new album titled Autumn Variations. He's so incredibly talented. Uh, thrilled he's here. Let's welcome Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Sorry, the seat's wet. We'll tell you about that later. <laughs> it's a shitty uh, show you're on right now. I oh, will say, good. I was thinking about this. I think you came on my show uh, two times, and the first time you came on the show, am I right that you were barefoot when you performed? No. <laughs> I feel I'm, like I look like a hobbit, but I'm, I don't like, <laughs> I don't practice hobbitisms. I'm pretty sure you were barefoot. I took a lot of pills that night. I don't remember what happened. No, I do do barefoot. I remember I uh, I went barefoot for like a summer when I was recording and I was making a song with Bruno Mars and I remember him just being like, just put some shoes on, man. Jesus. <laughs> was it helping you? Was was writing and recording barefoot giving you some kind of special energy like connecting you to the earth? Not really. No, just like it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you such an out for doing something so cool, connecting to the Is it cool? vital powers of the earth, and you just said, no, it was hot. Um, <laughs> and we have a lot to talk about because we cool. have some things in common. I know that you are from England, but you uh, have a lot of Irish heritage. Yeah, you? yeah, my dad's Irish, yeah. And I feel like red, the redhead is headism. Um, but did you get a tough time at school for being a redhead? Well, yeah, it wasn't just because my hair was red. Uh, <laughs> let's just say there were other problems too. <laughs> My personality. Were you that tall in school? Though? No, I got tall later on. I um, got tall very late. It was like later in high school. So I was very average height. I had bright orange hair. My mother insisted on cutting our hair for us because she didn't want to pay for us to go to a barbershop. So she would cut oh, it straight yeah, 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 across yeah, yeah. Uh, in a bowl cut. My two front teeth were dead, so I had gray teeth up front. <laughs> Um, I was, I could keep going, but it was a fucking train wreck. And uh, then the red hair, and then my name is Conan. So you put all those things together and it was a terrible time. What's it like, is there anti-redhead bias in England, you think, at the time that you were growing up? 
Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's just school because actually as soon as I got out of school, like no one cared. It wasn't right. like I mean, my it gets referred to whenever I whenever there's a review of my album or there's like it's always flame hair or like redhead or like whatever. But I guess that's just a way of describing someone. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, so anything that makes you different, I think later becomes an advantage. Oh, hundred percent. But when you're a kid, I just wanted to look like everybody else i did not want to look different when i was yeah. a kid i i did not want to in any way stand out and then i looked like a, a pinata that had been very hastily assembled and uh but i think it helps like especially going into show business like i had a tiny <laughs> tiny guitar yeah. and i would gig around london and everyone would know me as the fat ginger kid with the small guitar oh. so no 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 but it was good because i was remembered people were like oh it's that that, it wasn't like, oh, that tall, good-looking bloke with the big guitar. It was always like the fat ginger kid with the guitar. And right. people knew who I was. was Did good. you play a tiny guitar on purpose? or It, just it was, was more like I'd won a battle of the bands when I was 17, and they gave me a voucher to a music store. And I remember going in the music store and seeing this small guitar and being like, that would be perfect for like traveling. Because I took trains and tubes everywhere. So I was like, that would be perfect just to have on my backpack, and I'll have all my CDs and pedals and everything in the bag rather than like lugging around the big guitar so right. it actually was more out of ease and then it became my thing and now it's that's what i use on stage so it's why people think you're 65 feet tall yeah it's just <laughs> all they're using it their frame of reference is completely off i went to go and watch uh, uh barbie with with uh, some friends and there were these guys in the queue in front of me and they looked around and they went is that sharon and one of them went Nah, nah, Ed Sheeran's much taller than that. (laughs) (laughs) I have had many people, and this is not a joke, just because you said that I've had many people say to me, you look like Conan O'Brien if he were tall. Right. Because I'm sort of on a six foot four spectrum and people that just knew me for almost 30 years on television think of me as a very just compact person that can fit in their television. (laughs) And when this big monster is looming in front of them, you know, one of those balloons that's in front of a car dealership. They uh, they don't know. They just think, well, he can't be him. So um, so I know I'm here for you to interview me, but I got I got to ask about you writing Simpsons and being staff on that. Like, oh, what, cool, how, yeah, that, sure, go I ahead. Just, it's I just think, did you did you write full full episodes? Yeah, and just hand them in and go no. like that's my. Well, what happens is, um, and this should be the whole interview, I think. <laughs> Ed Sheeran talks to Conan O'Brien about The Simpsons, and I'm in heaven right now. That's what Uh, I want to know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll tell you all about it. It is funny because it is one of the... Now that there's an internet and the clips clips circulate, I can... When I travel around the world or if I travel around the UK, they can know me from clips, uh, comedy clips from my show. But before that, when I would go to the UK, uh, they would not know who I was because a lot of American talk shows weren't shown there. But they would know if The Simpsons came up, they would flip out and they would ask me which episodes I worked mm. on. And I would tell them and they would be able to know all those. They would know everything because Simpsons fans are everywhere. Well, it was in, in England as well. Like it was, we only really had, no one had cable. So we had BBC One, BBC Two, ITV and maybe Channel Four. Right. And BBC Two every day had two episodes of The Simpsons. So like you'd get home from school and that would be the thing you watch. And it just like... I get, but never, I swear BBC only owned a couple of seasons because it was always the same episodes. <laughs> and like, I see right. new seasons now. And you know, you never not, got to, you never saw Bart get older. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I think it, we, we stopped, we stopped at like season 10. Yeah. Uh, but my, ki- my kids love it now. 
Yo, know, it's uh well what's funny is that um you know I was there uh I don't see I'm my Simpsons fans know everything mm. and they get upset that I don't know it because I was there and I was there you know in a fairly early stage considering how long it's run but we um, would watch the episodes hundreds of times whereas you probably just wrote We were and we would it work and... on those ones but uh yeah what would happen is you would pitch a concept for an episode so I would go and I'd say here's what I think should happen and I would have all these beats for an episode and ideas for an episode and if they liked it they would there was a little gong in the room and they would you'd do this once a year and uh they would literally if they laughed and the the executive producer was really laughing someone would get up and bang the gong and say no. like that's going to be an episode and I remembered uh, the couple of times that they banged the gong when I said my episode and I, my episodes and I was so excited. Were then, you doing late night then or you went no, from- No, oh no, God, no, no. Late night is you have they to- Because I remember an episode where they rip you on it and you're a late, late night yes. host on it. But so yeah. you would just homage. come on. It was an homage. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a rip. <laughs> Those are my friends. They would never do that to me. They're, <laughs> they're comedy writers. They're very kind. Um, no, it's funny because, uh, yeah, I was working on The Simpsons and then uh, for- a uh, couple seasons, and then I went to audition for this late night show, thinking I'll never get this. I'm a writer on The Simpsons, and then tragically got it. And uh, <laughs> that's how it felt at the time, like, oh shit. But I left. And was uh, there ever part of you that just like turned up at the writers' room, being like, "Can I chuck in an idea every now and then?" Well, you know, it's that? so funny. I did come back years later, and the room is not. So many people think, "Oh my god," you know, this epic television show and this known for its, you know, really good writers. And I'm just, these people I got to work with are insanely talented. And the room is just awful. The room is terrible. It looks like the worst. I mean, it did at the time. I think it's much nicer now, but there was just a bad shag carpet. Sofas that, you know, if you're at your first year in college or university and you just get them on the sidewalk. <laughs> and we would sit there and eat fried food. There was a writer that smoked all the time who sat next to me. So uh, when I die, it'll be because of him. And <laughs> big laugh, gang. <laughs> laugh it up. <laughs> and we'd eat bad food and, and think it. And so it wasn't sexy or fun or cool at all. But, uh, and, and I remember we played it. We all chewed up some caramel and put it together into a big blob and mashed it up into the ceiling. <laughs> oh. And then tried to get things to stick to it because you'll do anything to pass the time. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just and say Sharon, you're one I've of loved... the best guests we've ever had on this show? <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you uh, you're Catholic? Are you, were you raised Catholic or? Is I, there ca I did communion and all that stuff, but yeah. I'm not like practicing. Um, yeah. I'm very much like, I believe in afterlife just because I've had friends pass away and I think it's depressing not to think that they're in a better place yep. you know but I, other than that I completely that, I understand that yes. I wouldn't say that I'm like hugely religious I mean I do midnight mass at Christmas and stuff like that but it's not like I'm not like a practicing yeah we uh I mean I grew up very very catholic family and mass all the time and so when I'm around and when we we do on the occasions when we go to a mass I can say all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, pe and people that know me are like, what the hell? <laughs> you just, and it's like, well, it's in my bone marrow. I have a, uh, one of my best friends is a, a Catholic. He's a god godfather of, of one of my kids. And when he talks about his ex-girlfriends, he always goes like that. <laughs> <laughs> just so, this is no, I'm not even joking about this, but as when my mother, as she got a little older, she didn't want it, she had trouble turning her neck. So you had to back straight out of our driveway in Brookline, Massachusetts, right on the Boston line. So my mother would just throw the car into reverse, cross herself, and go. <laughs> what? 
What? Yeah, and then later they'd be like peeling kids off the back of her car. So one of the things that I was thinking about you today, Ed, because I was thinking about the amazing, absolutely how you made yourself. I was thinking about it today, which, you know, there are artists out there who are very talented, who, who are discovered, but you, as you were talking about earlier, you got this guitar, you're getting on the tube, you're, get, you're going all over town. You really were a getting yourself known on YouTube. And when you got your first hit, it, it wasn't this, you weren't this produced act that had gone through the machine, which I think is fascinating. Well, I didn't make it on my looks. <laughs> I disagree. Thank you. I disagree because I feel like I'm looking in a mirror. No, you know what? I've ever seen. Do you know uh, when I when I moved to London? Uh, you know, I played guitar at school and I wrote songs at school. And I moved to London and I quickly realised that I wasn't any good. And everyone that I was gig, I was 17. I was gigging with like 24 year olds that had good songs. They sung well. They played guitar. But I realised that I could outwork them. I was like, I'm not better than you, but I can do more shows i can i can go and i would book like three shows on a thursday night and get on the tube and go and play three songs three songs three songs and i, I was just like if i play every night of the week maybe two times a night maybe three times a night and i'm just doing that every day eventually i'll get really good and that is what happened after a while it just you you the practice does make perfect where do you think that work ethic came from do you do, do you see it uh, i mean because i do think that Sometimes you don't even know where it comes from. You just have this sense. I think of like, my no. dad. My dad was really tough on us when we were kids to work really hard, and I was always confused because I was like, "But I don't like maths. I don't like science. And like, why would I work at something that I don't want to do?" And as soon as I found music, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to do this every day." And it was the de the, the detriment of like my uh, academicness. Like I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a hugely smart person in academics, but. As soon as I found music, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and my dad always said, like, choose someone that you admire and work harder than them. So, like, so, so my hero when I was a kid was James Blunt. And when I signed to Atlantic Records, he was on Atlantic Records. And I said, in his peak year, get me his diary and we'll do double everything that he did. And that's exactly what we did. We just chose all the things and then doubled it. That's absolutely, I mean, and that, first of all, I was talking to you backstage. I uh, got past your security. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how did he get in here um but i one of the things that really uh blew me away is you were you were talking to me about how still today you spend most of your time in studio i mean you're with your family obviously but then you're, you're in the studio a lot yeah i mean day I in do, day out. i don't have hobbies so my hobby is music i do two gigs a weekend and i do five days in studio every week i do 10 10 a.m to 5 p.m every day and then uh, that means i can do morning routine with the kids, take them to nursery, go to studio, get them back from nursery, put them to bed. It's like, it's a nice routine to be in. I don't, do you find that there's, um, sometimes people talk about this great inspiration. They sit down and Elton John will say that sometimes these songs came to him and he sat down and he said the good ones came very quickly. Totally. Sometimes. You have to write a lot of shit ones to get the good ones though. Yes. I find, I find that like, I, my thing I always say, so we, I'm in every day in the studio and if I get one song a month that's good, I'm so happy because that's, that's an album in a year. That's 12 songs uh, in a year. So we would make, like today I've, I've been in, we made three songs and like maybe one of them is good, but by the end of the week we'll have like maybe one that's good. But there's, if I get one this month, I'm happy. There's an old saying that, uh, an old concept that, when someone writes their great novel, it's their amazing novel. It means they have nine 
ones in the drawer. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and so usually their second novel isn't great because it was one of the ones in the drawer that they just handed to the publisher when they were then a big deal. That's what someone at my record label said to me when I put out my first record. And I was like, I think I could put out my second quite quickly. And he's like, don't use the offshoots of album one. Go back in and make an album. And it was great advice. So I, I treat every album as if it's like my debut. Mm -hmm. You're going in to make the thing that you're going to give to the world first and then you work it as if it's your debut as 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 well this album's a little bit different though because this was not that it's very much something that i i can't i, I was saying it to you in the dressing room it sort of happened by accident it was very yeah, much just, this, you because you came out with uh, an album quite recently yeah and then you follow it up with this uh album and i was listening to it to today and i really love it and you said yeah it actually it was sort of forming while the other album was forming, which so kind of blew my mind. Yeah, so I had this idea. Well, I say I had this idea. My dad had, my dad's <laughs> full of great ideas, sometimes not so great, but mm -hmm. he, his, his <laughs> idea, he said to me, like, there's this composer called Elgar, and Elgar did this thing called Enigma Variations, which is 14 uh, compositions about 14 of his friends, and he never told anyone who, who it was about, and it was an, an enigma. And he said, there's never been a modern version of it. Wouldn't it be cool if you did a variations record? Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's fascinating, actually. And I was talking to Aaron, who I made the record with, and I was like, we should do this record, base it around a season, and it'll be variations of the season with 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 my friend friends. Uh, and then whilst we were making the record, I had my best friend died my wife got mm. diagnosed with a tumor and then i went into a court case and i wrote loads of songs about that in the space of that month and then because all of those songs were finished quite quickly that album was done which has became subtract but actually we were in making variations so after all of that we went back and finished it and it was done but like so songs like on if you know uh, my album subtract like the opening two songs were meant to be on autumn variations they were meant to be the first two of autumn variations and it just came they, they the, the two sonics are very different one's quite a sad album and one's quite a sort of hopeful joyous fall album and you think of autumn variations as being more hopeful i think so there's a yeah. lot there's a lot more like subtract is pretty much all just doom and gloom and depression and you know <laughs> being sad we about, were going through a lot of yeah like, there very wasn't intense there, there wasn't much happy moments um but yeah autumn very i mean it's about my friends so it's my friends like falling in love in september or like breaking up in september or being depressed in september or no one turning up to their birthday party because they're having a sober se september you know like it's yeah. different <laughs> it's it's about uh it's all about september well <laughs> no because the thing is like yeah, I, I find it I find it weird talking to Americans about I mean you call it fall but like September's great everywhere but England is shit in November like autumn in England is not fun whereas you guys it's all fall and it's apple juice and everyone's right. having a great time and <laughs> It's well, actually, very dark. not here in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's a, oh yeah, in Los Angeles. It's just a different kind of fire. You got zero uh, seasons. Yeah, um, it's uh, yeah. So I I think you know it gets very you know days are really short. Gets very dark, very cold, very lonely, and it's uh, that's kind of what was the inspiration of the record. That after a month of uh, no, so like three months of summer where you're having all the fun with all the friends and you're going to festivals and you're going yeah, out and you're yeah. in the pub gardens, like it suddenly changes very quickly in, in England, which is sort of the inspiration of the record. But it's what? all like, it's weird the the changes that happened in people's lives. Like I would have people like having babies and suddenly their life is completely shifted or getting into a new relationship and it's completely shifted. And it's interesting that after summer, there is a switch in people's heads that goes, right, back to work, back to school, back. Yep. It's, it's a different 
feeling. Well, it's funny because we're all on that schedule when we're kids. And then of course it changes because you got to work through the summer, you got to work into the fall. But I still feel that way. Mm. I still feel like, well, time to get back at exactly. it, even though nothing really same, changed. It's the same in the two times that it happens in the year uh, September and, and January. Those are the two where you're like, right, okay. So I was listening to Autumn Variations today and there was a, there was a song you wrote about England and you talk about how we get a bad, England gets, how much you love England, but we get a rad, bad reputation because of the weather. And what's so interesting to me is that, and you talk about how you actually like that weather, I think because of my Boston, genetic, yeah. Boston, but also 100% Irish and everything. I just love, I love it when it's rainy and foggy yep. and everyone else is bitching. It's a and weird I'm one. In, I'm, I love it. I'm just so happy. I would choose... I, like genuinely, I would choose the English coastline any time of the year over any other coastline in the world, even if it's like pissing it down with rain. And it's like, I love swimming in the English sea as well. It's just cold. It's like Well, aggressive. that's just stupid. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, really, the English sea? I don't yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, it's it's got to be. Well, actually, no, you're in the Gulf Stream, so it's not freezing. No, it's cold. It's, it's cold. cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tried, shot, to, tried to give you an out there. I shot, uh, <laughs> I have a, a music, so my, my whole last record I made, but that song in England I wrote by the sea and I made subtracts by the sea. So I was like, oh, I'm going to shoot all the videos. And one, uh, the director had this idea of like, you should be in the sea and the waves should just be like battering you down. And I was like, cool. And she was like, we could shoot it in Los Angeles, you know? And I was like, no, I'll do it in England. And we shot it in December. And oh God, oh. I definitely like, I lost a couple of inches for a couple of days. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, Ed. <laughs> At least yours came back. <laughs> They're still looking for mine. Um, that's 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 amazing. Uh, gotta get that image out of my head. And moving on. You know what amazed me? You're obviously uh, you're a very young uh, man, especially contrasted with myself. And yet, you're so many musical influences are these people that uh, you know. Eric Clapton uh, it was a huge influence on you. And I think, well, you're very young to be influenced by Eric Clapton, but of course he's timeless. The way the Beatles are timeless, the way... I basically, I just had my dad's record collection. It's very like cliched of like, that's what I listened to. But it wasn't until like, you know, Christmases where maybe an aunt sends you 10 pounds and then you can go out and buy the CD that you want to get. But I was very much like, I only listened to my dad's record collection because that's what we had in the house. So I guess I was like 10 or 11 when I started forming my own tastes but but yeah there was i mean my dad has some great records and they're still like some of my like moondance van morrison i think is like a perfect album for any time yes like any time yes. you put that on it could be like the end of the night it could be the start of the night it could be like dinner like it's just it's a perfect album was your do you say your dad is is he from belfast no so my dad's dad is from belfast and my dad's because you know because uh yeah um Ben Morrison's from Northern Ireland, and so I just think you never know where some things are coming to you or he, why things appeal to you. He doorstepped me at my uh, um, hotel. Like it was like I was I, in like 2014. I just made Thinking Out Loud, um, and it had become a hit. And uh, I I remember I, my gran had actually come to the gig, and we had a lot of whiskey afterwards, as you do. And I'd gone to bed at like four o'clock in the morning, and I remember getting this phone call at like six. I was like really bleary eyed, just like what. And the person at the front desk is just like, Van Morrison's here. He wants to have breakfast with you. And I was like, oh, fuck, no, he's not. And like, <laughs> I thought someone was taking the piss. So I hung up and then they rung back and they're like, no, 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 he's actually downstairs. He wants to have breakfast with you. And I was like, oh, cool. Showered really quickly, went down and yeah, just essentially had breakfast with him. It was really surreal because I was still drunk. I was still, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I was just like, is this? 
but he's I mean, really sweet. I've, I've got to sort of like meet him a couple of times since then, but it was like such a nice thing. He's like, he's like one of my heroes. And yeah. I was, all, people always say, don't meet your heroes. And yeah. it was such a like, not that thing. It was yeah. just sitting down. He was really interested in Spotify. Wants to yeah. talk about that. And... You're explaining it to him? <laughs> well, I didn't... And you explained how VCRs work. <laughs> I did, it, it, it was relatively new at yeah. this point. All I knew is that on my first album, I remember, because no one really put their records on Spotify to begin with because they didn't really know what the... What is this? Yeah. yeah. How does it and, work? And I was like, I want, my mu- I want everyone to have my music. And I just remember never selling a record in Sweden. And I, it was always like, records sold in Sweden was zero. And then I'd go there and I'd play the biggest gigs of my European tour. And I'm like, this is fucking weird, the like correlation. Like, have I sold no records here, but the most people want to come and see the songs? And it's because Spotify was so accessible. I see. I think that's what's good about music now. And it's more difficult to break through with new songs because there's 100,000 new songs released every day. But like the quality will inevitably go up because, you know, like back when I was a, teenager and buying albums and i think this is why piracy became a thing is i think record labels took the piss they had like one great song that they'd put on an album with a bunch of filler and they'd sell it to you for 22 dollars or 22 pounds and you'd buy it and be like i feel ripped off here and you'd be like i wish i could just download that one song that i liked and i think that's why it all they basically pushed it too far ripped off people too much right i'm curious um you mentioned don't meet your heroes I was shocked you came. Uh, <laughs> oh my but, God. Sana, please. Oh God. But Ed. Ed. He is funny. Ed. He is, he is funny. <laughs> the point is, Ed, who are other people that, uh, that you met that obviously, I mean, you have achieved this incredible success, this insane success. You get to meet whoever you want now. In the music world, were there people where you thought, I, I mean, have you, have, you, have you checked off every box? You must have checked off My every box by now. My rule was always, I'm never going to seek out someone to meet them. I'm going to wait until they want to meet me. I remember, I remember doing SNL, not even doing SNL. I'd made my album with Rick Rubin, and Rick, mm-hmm. Rick was also making Eminem's album at the time. And Rick was like, I want to do SNL with uh, Eminem. You want to come down? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And then when I, when I was there, Rick was like, do you want to meet him? And I was like, no, I like I, I want I want to, but I want him to be like, hey, I like your stuff. Yep. So I just waited, and f- four years later was then the time that he was like, oh, I like your stuff. We should do a song, and now we're actually friends. And I feel I feel like that's like a. Good... I, I I completely understand what you're talking about. My I don't want the picture and the I want no I wanna... no. And my my constant assumption is, which I I mean I don't know. I think it's the, maybe the healthier play, way to approach it. But my constant assumption is. Oh, they don't want to meet me. Precisely, and yeah. I definitely don't want to ever have that feeling of, well, here's a nice little treat for them. Hello, and yeah. they're <laughs> yeah. they're not that happy to see me. Uh, that's I would die. But I think that that's sometimes why it's don't meet your heroes because people are premature with with it. When my, the guy that made me start songwriting was Damien Rice, and he is like a bit reclu- rec- rec- reclusive and like you know at my peak. I met his sister and stuff, and I was like, "Do you think he'd ever like want to hang or anything?" And she's just like, I, "I don't know. I guess you'll see him at some point." And you know, I, I I guess I met him when I was twelve, and then when I was I played in Iceland in Reykjavik, and it just so happened he was there, and that's the time we hung out and we spent a good forty eight hours together. We like went on a hike, we got on a hot pool, we had, and it was like one of those things of like, "This is why I waited." This is like it's it was a really nice interaction. 
Yeah, you waited till it was organic and yeah, it was totally. a real a real moment rather than people pushing forced, you towards yeah, yeah. people. Yeah, forced. Yeah, but no, I'd, I'd I'd say I've met all. Apart from I haven't met Dylan. That's the only one that I would love to meet. But again, like if you meet Bob Dylan prematurely, like I've told this story and I met him in the worst way. Uh, <laughs> but I think it bears repeating, which is naked. I was, naked I was with in the my sauna. I was yeah naked in the sauna. I was with my friend. Um, <laughs> right after a good swim in the North Sea. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I went, <laughs> I went I went to see Dylan play. And of course I'm with my good friend, Jimmy Vivino, who's an amazing uh, guitar player and my band leader for a long time. And he, of course, the next thing I knew we were backstage and I've been doing the show for a bunch of years at that point. And, and suddenly I find myself in this room and I wasn't prepared. And there was just this sort of people moved around and then I was just kind of pushed forward and I'm standing, Bob Dylan's right where you are and I'm right where I am. And he is that phase where he has the tiny little mm. drawn on mustache and like the gun f gunslinger flat hat. And he's looking at me and he's got that little mustache and he went, hey, I know you from the TV. <laughs> And I thought, okay, well, at least I'm in now and I can start talking to Bob Dylan. And I swear to God, this happened just as I'm about to, you know, say, oh, you know, Bob, I hear Conan, Conan, hey, how's it going? And I look over and it's vice president, former vice president, Al Gore. And he's like, come here, come here, you know, let's talk about the environment. And yeah, Al Gore is cool and everything. That's fine. But Bob Dylan? And then Bob, I turned around and Bob Dylan was like, gotta go and ran and like ran away. Oh. And I was cock blocked by the vice president of the United States. And I never saw Bob Dylan again. Wow. And that just rings in my head. I know you from the TV. And then, that, and then that's it. I think that's it. That's it. That's yeah. all I'm going to get. I had it with, uh, I was at the, the, the GQ Awards and Tarantino was there. Mm -hmm. And my manager's wife was like, you got to say hi. And I was like, no, 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 honestly, I, I don't yep. want to meet him unless he, unless he wants to meet. She's like, you have to, you have to, you have to. I was like, no, no, I really don't. And then the more and more we drunk later on in the night, she just goes up to him and she's just like, Eddie really wants to meet you. And I'm like, oh no. And same thing. Just like, hey man. Yeah. Great. Like films. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see about the people, I mean, that you've, I mean, like, yes, you've, you, you know, Elton John and Clapton, but you also Beyonce and Jay-Z, you've hung out with them. You've had, you've broken bread with them. Yes. You've had food yeah, with well, them. Yeah. Well, I kind of like, I got to know them through really weirdly, actually. It was, um, I played, do you know what Jules Holland is? It's like, yes, it's, yeah, so yeah. I played Jules Holland's Hootenanny, which is like the New Year's Eve show. And you play a cover and they said, what cover do you want to do? And I said, well, I do uh, Stevie Wonder's Master Blaster because I love, I love the tune. And two months later was the Grammys. And the guy that was running the Grammys uh, music, Ken Ehrlich, was like, we're going to do the Stevie Wonder tribute concert for Stevie. He's going to be in the audience. He's going to be with his band. Greg Fillingaines is going to be in it. Uh, we've got all these people playing. Do you want to play? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, what do you want to play? And I went, well, I'll play Master Blaster. I just, I literally just played it. And he was like, great. And then like two days later, he rung up and went, oh. Beyonce wants to do Master Blaster, and I was, and I was like, "That's totally fine. I'll do. I, I'll do. I was made to love her." And then, and then he rung back and was like, "Would you sing it with Beyonce?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah." <laughs> and then you have a different life than I do. <laughs> I remember getting to because I'm not. 
It was with it was with Beyonce and 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 Gary Clark Jr. and Gary Clark Jr. is one of the best like living yeah. living guitarists. Yes. And uh, uh, I just remember like I'm not a very talented guitarist. I can play acoustic guitar and and chords. And I remember Ken coming up and being like, "I've got this idea, dueling guitars, you and Gary." And I was like, "I can play like a C chord." Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, so we did that, and then we all met at that thing, and then I then did like other shows with her. And then it was like one of these ones of like, you don't ask, you don't get. I'd made this song perfect that was uh, starting to pick up steam and become a hit. And um, someone said, oh, we should uh, put out like a duet version of this because I'd done like a, a, a Italian version with An- Andrea Bocelli. And they were like, who would you want to do it? And I was like, well, realistically, I don't really want to do, do a duet unless it's Beyonce. And they were like, well, why don't you ask her? And she said yes. And it was like, it was. I was so surprised. I was kind of rung her up on the, I was like, do you want to do it? She's like, yeah. I'm in. And, and so... It was, it was one of so those things... So it's that simple. Though. I could just ring her up. No. No, 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 no. Well, no, 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 no what no, am I no, misunderstanding, no, Sona? No, 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 no. no, no, no. You oh, it's can. just Ed, not no, me. No, no, yeah. Ed can. You cannot. <laughs> no, do you yeah. know what I've learned, what I've learned in, this, in this business... Ed said though, if you don't try. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the worst, thing, the worst thing that someone can say is no. So yep. if you prepare yourself for the no... Like yeah. I always say to, you know, if I'm doing something like I'm on this tour at the moment and occasionally I'll be in cities where like, so like Eminem came on in Detroit. But what right. I said to him was like, you can cancel on the day. Like I'm not going to feel weird if you yeah. suddenly go, yeah. I'm not coming. So it's very much like I'm always prepared for the no. And when it's a yes, it's it's happy days. I still uh, will wake up in the morning and it doesn't quite make sense to me that, uh, you know, that some of the things that I've been able to experience and people have been able to meet uh, doesn't, uh, I, I, it still doesn't quite add up. But um, do you prefer this the, to the late night show because obviously late night I, you get five minutes with a guest i loved the doing the late night show i absolutely loved it but in terms but of I deep did dives for, on interviews and yeah stuff. i did it for you know almost 30 years and and i got to the point where i thought i really want to try to flex these different muscles and we started doing the podcast and three years before we wrapped up the late night show and what i found was in the old world you know you could do a song Maybe you can do a song and then we can have a quick chat, but there was no way we could do this. And this is really meaningful to me because- I always get so stressed out in the late night shows because I'm like, I have to have a good story because if I don't have a good story, then my three minutes is wasted. So but, you're kind of there and you're doing like a run of 20 late night shows in all these different countries. Right. And you're like, well, I can't use the same. I, I find it very like, I, I much prefer this. Just- well, because, because this to me is- you know, all those years, and again, I loved doing it, and I think it's an amazing format, and I enjoyed it, but this, to me, is a much more human scale, so I can, that old way of people coming out and being under that pressure, it's like, you know, hey, Ed, how you doing? How am I doing? Well, the other day, I walked down the street, and I had a ham sandwich, and I'm catch up! You know, and Do you know what I mean, though, and, it is... and, and it's just like, well, that's first of all, that's not how anybody talks, and it's also annoying, you know. And so it's, but but this, and and also the fact that you flip it around and you can ask me a question, ask anybody a question. But and I it's... find that so much more interesting as well, because also the people that listen to your podcast are probably more interested in you than they are any any other guests, oh, because like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there's like, 
<laughs> I bet there's so many deep dive stories that like he hasn't even come out with. Like, well, like who's your, who's <laughs> Gorley's done the research. Who's the weirdest? Who's the weirdest person you've got high with? Well, okay, that's a little bit of a trick question because that's not really my thing. I but mean, I'm you've very definitely square. done it in your life. I know you, you've definitely hung out with Willie Nelson and gone. God, I have to. Well. Does does high include does high include uh, beverages? Yeah. Okay. 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 No, but okay. But if we're going beverages, like dribbly drunk. Oh, dribbly drunk. Dribbly drunk. Yeah. Not oh, just like. Well, then just... I'm with historical figures who are long dead. I mean, <laughs> they don't even. I, in my mind, it's just like, oh, Lincoln, you're the best. You know, <laughs> Churchill. I mean, it doesn't even matter at that point. I'm just talking to everybody who ever lived. Oh, uh, Lincoln, I didn't want to meet you until you said you wanted to meet me. <laughs> when Mahatma Gandhi said he wanted to meet Conan. Where's your, um, so, uh, so. But no, I mean, who, like for you, who did you, who have you gotten smashed around that was just, because it, uh, wow, yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of, I would say that's kind of my thing. Like, I, yeah. I love, I love taking out random people. Oh, do we have a party out. for you after the show? <laughs> Um, it's about nine inches from here. <laughs> uh, I've had, you know, a fun one actually. I was in, I was in Melbourne recently, and I was with my wife and my mother-in-law, and Snoop Dogg was playing. Oh and my I was god! Like, and I was like, we gotta go. Like, yeah. like <laughs> when that? I, I, I guess he plays in England, but it's never like when I have a night off or whatever. So we went. I just, I remember, I remember him meeting my mother-in-law and being like, "What's up, Queen?" And I was like, <laughs> uh, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. But I went. I went with. Um, I've sort of got quite close friends with um, Russell Crowe over the years, and he's yeah. really close with Snoop Dogg. They have sort of like smoke offs. I love and these. Stuff. Russell, yeah. I love and, these connections. Um, no, you'd but never like, imagine. They're like really. Oh, Dame Judi Dench and Snoop Dogg. <laughs> they're really cool. But um, but so I was in. I was and I don't. I don't really smoke at all. And I was in. I was in the dressing room. And they're just, you know, blunt for blunt for blunt for blunt. And I'm like, I guess at some point during the night, I, I have to just to be like, I smoke with Snoop Dogg. Um, and so I kind of was having this conversation with him. And I was like, this is good. Like a good memory. Like I have a conversation. I'm drinking my wine and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, do you want some? And I was like, okay, now's the time. And I'm like, I've have had a good amount of conversation. So I have a bit. And I'm like, oh, I don't feel too bad. Like, this is good. And then I have a bit more. Then I have a bit more. Then I have a bit more. Oh. <laughs> Oh my god! Was, I just remember looking at him, being like, "I can't see right now." I've got. <laughs> I know I have eyes. They were like wide open. I was like, I just it's. So yeah. this is a true story. Snoop Dogg did our show, and he has his entourage. This is the late night show, and this is back in the '90s or 2000s, and we're at, you know NBC, and it's a relatively small studio. He comes with a big entourage, and they have one of the dressing rooms that. Uh, adjoin the the studio and they all go into that dressing room and shut the door and what i don't know is they're all uh i mean they're smoking so much pot so intensely in this room and it's getting filtered in through <laughs> i'm not kidding studio 6a this is a real thing so i go out hey everybody yeah well anyway you know president clinton today <laughs> And the crowd was laughing at the setups to the joke. <laughs> I, so I'd be saying like, well, you know, there was a bad earthquake in Alaska today. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the crowd was getting like high 
and then you could smell it. And we were like, this is, a, this is, this is elite. This is, this is wrong on so many levels. It was bring your infant day. Uh, it was just so screwed up, but it was, I mean, what are you going to do when everyone understands all oh, that Snoop Dogg? So it's, it's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I feel like I'd be disappointed if he wasn't high. You know? like, I guess he's, that's, he'll never a, disappoint you. There's an artist. <laughs> there's an artist that I work um, quite a lot with called Burner Boy, and I would say I'd say he's that's the most I've ever seen anyone ingest weed. It's, I've been, you're in, I've, and I work as I said ten to five, and he came to the studio, and I had a gig later on at night, and it was very much the studio door was closed and just smoke, 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 smoke. And I remember walking on stage at the gig, being like, I don't know if I can. Same thing, like I'm not quite here. It's funny. I don't. Well, Sony, you can attest. Like, I don't. Uh, I never smoked. Uh, just like that's not my thing. No, it's not my thing. No. and I think uh, I just it never took with me. No, but you're, it wasn't your even a moral stance. Perfect it just, what's for it? it. Your sense of humor is perfect for someone who's high. Right. It's like it's written by someone who's yeah. high all the time. Yeah. That's why people are shocked that he doesn't do it because. I think of things as if I'm, I yeah. just assumed that like obviously like I didn't assume you did it but I just assumed occasionally you might be like oh when in Rome I'm here with I've tried yeah I have in situations when the situation is just right and people are I'm like all right I'll do that and just it doesn't really I don't get stranger or I'm already strange so <laughs> it just they cancel each other out Fair you enough. know I think uh was it was the last one of the, I think the last show we did who was it that oh Seth Rogen Seth Rogen oh, yeah, wanted me to smoke with, Seth Rogen smoke with him on the air and he's I, another yeah. one I feel like you have to when you, you yeah. do yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like a national crime if you don't you know <laughs> um least favorite guest on the chat show <laughs> you gotta be well, honest you gotta be honest you gotta be honest well I actually I can because I uh uh, I actually, I gave this up and, and and this is someone from a long time ago, but it was when I was first starting the show and we had, I mean, this amazing singer, actress, Eartha Kitt was on the show. And a lot of people know her from the 1960s Batman. She played uh, Catwoman a little bit, but she was on the show and she was very tough to talk to. And I was brand new. And so I put most of it on myself but I'd say things like, oh, you dated James Dean, you know, you, back in 1954. And she'd say, well, so what? what do you, why are you asking me? And <laughs> also, I would, I, that, I, that's I, not even a question. It's just no, a statement. No, I, yeah, <laughs> it's true. That's, I guess that's on. <laughs> As I said, I was brand new, Ed. <laughs> now I think this is my least favorite. <laughs> So who who would be because you would have regular guests who yeah. who who'd be the one that you know you knew the booking was coming and be like oh, I love those guys. well you know oh my god I mean there's so many but but the one that you were like super super pumped for every time they came Norm Macdonald uh, was meaningful to me because that so 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 and and Will Ferrell people that would bring they would bring something to the table I mean Will Ferrell came out once and he. He had prepared it, but he came out and he had a bird on his shoulder. <laughs> and you know how Will can just commit to something with those eyes. And right up front, he said, no questions about the bird. <laughs> and so I commit to just, it's this giant white cockatoo. And he, you know, we'd be talking for a little bit and I'd be go like, yeah. And the bird would start to move around on his shoulder and be easy. And I'd go, is there a problem, now, a problem there? And he'd be like, we're not talking about the bird. <laughs> It was just fantastic, great, but I mean, so 
I loved it when someone would bring something that would turn the whole thing upside down yeah. on its head, you know? Have I answered enough of your questions? <laughs> hey, I have a new album coming out I'm really excited about. I'm sorry. It's called, uh, it's called Autumn Variations. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I was very much looking forward to this today. And I'll have to tell you something. My, I have a brother, Neil, who's a couple of years older than me and doesn't follow new music, doesn't know who a lot of the music, I mean, I think his musical collection stopped at like 1967. And I was talking to him on a cell phone today, just upstairs. And I said, well, I got to go because I'm going to talk to Ed Sheeran. He's like, Oh my God, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> oh my God. That guy's huge. And then his attitude was kind of, why is he talking to you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> um, Ed, an absolute delight uh, that you. you came by. And I do want to mention that you're going to do, which sounded amazing to me, a contest to have let fans make potential videos. Yeah. Is that, is that something that's really going to happen? The bonus record of the album is going to be live from 14 fans' living rooms. So I just, I door, I door stopped fans. I found out who all my top fans were. Um, and I knock on their door and I've got a mic on and a, and a guitar. And they go, <gasps> and I walk in their living room and I play one song from the album and it's recorded. And then that's going to be the bonus album. So that's the, like the live album, live from fans' living rooms. And then I wanted to get, uh, basically, there's so I have fans all over the world that are super talented and creative in you know places like bulgaria or you know like anywhere yeah and i wanted to just basically be like the people that make my music videos are usually connected in some way to hollywood or like the the british film mm -hmm. scene and i was like i want i want to actually spread the net and let anyone be creative so it's basically that they've been submitting ideas this is great and then i choose 14 ideas in 14 countries and then fund them basically so yeah. um yeah i'm 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 excited to i've kind of got to manage my expectations on this record though because uh, you know there's not a single that goes to radio or like a big major label push but it's basically just it's an album that i made that it is what it is and I've just i listened to it like, today it's really beautiful i loved it and uh and 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 like i say you this will lead you to the next thing so you don't know i don't worry about you <laughs> i don't think anyone in this room worries about you okay. i'm so happy that you're on this planet and you're uh you're such a delightful funny and inquisitive really inquisitive person here <laughs> The only per first person I've talked to in a while that gave a shit about me. So, uh, um, hey, Ed Sheeran, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're welcome in our world anytime. Thank you. And uh, continued massive success. Uh, nice one, man. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, very much. Ed Sheeran, everybody. God, that is a delightful young man. Not bad. Really, he really is. He really is yeah. like magical. He, he is. was so funny and quick and I mean, I could have talked to him for like six hours. Talented and really cool. I could have done without the questions about you. That's why you liked him so much. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. He just really seemed to <laughs> dig what I was doing. So No, he's he is. I need we need, you know, some more gingers out there to kill it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's yeah. do it for the gingers. Yeah. We got okay. one now, killing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was, just, I mean, really, I'm thinking he's just like so great and so natural. Yes. I do have to say, I, I know this is like a huge generalization, but over the years, whenever I talk to people from the UK, they just have this conversational gift, you know? They're, yeah. They just are natural, like, hey, let's shoot the shit. Let's talk. 
yeah. uh, which I really like. I think it's nice too. I don't know. It must be something about there. Well, no, go well, ahead. You've done it again, Sona. <laughs> go ahead. You there what? Brought an amazing <laughs> show to a halt. There what? You're that person know. on the bus that pulls on the brake. Stop this bus! I want to get off here. It's not one of the stops. Yeah, I want to get off here. What were you going to say? say. They're porridge? No, I didn't know what to say. What do you say to what you said? I guess, yes, yes, there is something about But you you specifically were heading toward a noun. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. The sentence ended at there. That's where it ended. There is something about there. That was so. The why sentence. did you something say about that there? Sentence. Meaning that place. That place. Oh, oh. The United was, Kingdom. There wasn't. There's more. something about there. Yeah. Oh, T H E R E. Oh. Period. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And you thought that sentence. You thought that sentence and said, "I'm going to speak that." Yes. <laughs> it's nice that you. I'm think sending I this thought. from the brain right out the yes. face. I don't think about. Hey, the brain, things. send it right on out. It's ready to go. <laughs> no notes. Uh. <laughs> I well. didn't think about it. Most of what I say, I'm I'm saying. You know it, what? That is as your, I say. That is your magic. It is your oh, magic. Thank you. You are. Yeah. You know that. I love you. You're. You I know. love you. You say these things and. I just think, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell's happening? <laughs> All oh, right. You're welcome. Well, we now we have to pay some bills. And actually, I believe we're going to bring Blay back out here, right? Oh. I'm, ar- I'm already out here. I, I think uh, I'm. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay, good. Have well, you been there the whole time? A li- this is called a live ad read. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready? Is everyone ready? There we go. These guys are ready to go. I love it. This is an insanely good it. crowd. Yeah, I know. Advertising! You know what? I I feel uh, I feel very good about what I'm about to say. I really do. And I'm going to say this. Now I feel very good about there. Um, <laughs> this special live episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is brought to you by Samsung and the Freestyle Second Gen Portable Projector. Yes. <laughs> Now, I'm going to tell you a true story. I was backstage in the garage cooling my heels when I thought I heard Jeff Goldblum's voice. And I was like, am I imagining that I'm hearing Jeff Goldblum's voice? And then I found out that they're playing this teaser reel of like previous podcast moments and they're playing it on this projector. And I was asking like, what is this projector? And it looked really cool. Blay, tell us about this. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's uh, tiny. It's right there. It's tiny. And we thought it'd be really cool to show, we've never done this before, to show a montage of some of our favorite podcast moments to this crowd on the Freestyle Second Gen. And I think they loved it, right, guys? So you put this... This is my understanding. You put this anywhere, right? And it will... And it automatically... It knows. It knows how to... How to, how to fill the space and uh, and make the, the the focus just perfect and uh, and you can you can be outside you can be in the woods you can be on top of a dirigible yes. anywhere you yes. want to be don't the dirigible thing is not true <laughs> do not buy a dirigible um, yeah. and she's crisp yeah what's that she's crisp the Sona. projector it's crisp. What I didn't know there was a gender assignment. She's a, a crisp, she, crisp picture. She crisp. The freestyle second gen portable projector is a she. Okay. <laughs> what well, sounds very cool to me. It says right here, and if I'm reading this correctly, that this new freestyle, this new freestyle, has the gaming hub built in. Ah! 
<laughs> wow, and you can stream thousands of games. No console required. Yeah. You take it on the go. <laughs> Blake, have you tried doing this? I Actually, I have. I've been playing Starfield. You guys know Starfield? <laughs> I've played Starfield through the Freestyle second gen, and uh, it's on my wall, which is 100 inches, and it's so big, I have to physically look around for bad guys. It's amazing. Yeah, if you think 100 inches is big, I got uh, news for you, buddy, boy. What? Why? No. Why do I set him no. up? Why what? do I do this? Oh. No. Why? No, that oh. was a test to see if you were a classy crowd or not. No. And you are not. You're a disappointing group. Awful. That's a crass joke. That was a bad, a bad joke. A terrible joke, which was... I said on purpose. Okay. Being the pro I am. Anyway, so you've played uh, Starfield, huh? On the old freestyle second gen. <laughs> that's, that's right. You ever infiltrate Whoa. the Crimson Fleet while you were at it? Yes. I yeah. do. I'm doing that right now, yeah, actually. Exactly. Well, anyway. Uh, How do you know that? I know things, and it's written here. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> I don't I'm have also it. thrilled to announce we're going to do a Clueless Gamer later this year. Yeah, people love those Clueless Gamers. I can't tell you, I, wherever I travel in the world, people come up to me, for some reason, especially in Nordic countries, and they're like, clueless game on more of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I am Gorgi. Uh, we're going to do a clueless gamer later this year, streaming Starfield through Xbox Game Pass, all thanks to Samsung. So this is a fine partnership. I'm yeah. glad that we're working with those guys. Very, very exciting. Yeah, That's very right. Cool. So check out the Samsung Freestyle second gen today and stay tuned for a new Clueless Gamer later this year. Streaming games on Samsung Gaming Hub requires a high-speed internet connection, additional gaming service subscription, and compatible controller required. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring out David Hopping! David Hopping! Willoughby. I was standing there and I was like, he's going to do it. Okay. Quick backstory. We were driving uh -huh. here. Okay. I was driving. You were giving directions. And yeah. then you said, take a left on Willoughby. Uh -huh. And I thought Willoughby would be a funny name to start calling you. <laughs> and, and then I started good. for the rest of the day. I've been going, hey, Willoughby. And he's like, oh, what? Just <laughs> and just because you brought up that street name, but it, I kind of like it. Oh, Willoughby. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. It suits him. Well, anyway, Willoughby, what's up? Uh, you're going to take some audience questions. Only if I want to, and I do. Do you want to? Yes. Okay. Very much so. Uh, if anyone has a question for Conan, raise your hand. Yeah. What is so, your name? My name's Haley. Haley, how are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. Hi. This is so surreal seeing you guys live. You guys are just as funny as in person as you are on audio tape. So this has been so cool. Well, <laughs> audio, you, you talk like me. Yeah, I don't know why I said that. You're Here's pretty a new audio yourself. tape for the, the young ones. <laughs> Send it out via post immediately. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, um, my question for all of you guys is, so Norm MacDonald is easily one of yes. my favorite comedians yeah, yeah. of all time. Um, I Yeah, he's phenomenal. So do you guys have any favorite, like, bits, moments, or memories that he's ever done? Like, I know he's known for so many of his viral clips, but just, I know some, you knew him on a personal level. So just anything that you remember. He, uh, one of the things that I remember that Norm did, I don't think many people know about, but you, I think you can find it if you look. It was so random. Norm would just do these random things. And... So um, Sully Sullenberger, the pilot, famously, his plane's taking off in New York. One of the engines goes out because I think it, there's a bird strike and he, or something goes wrong and he lands it on the Hudson River and everyone gets off safely. And he, you know, he's got this mustache and he, he's cool and he saved everybody and everybody got Sully Sullenberger fever. And then, not for a long time, but anyway. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, then I think uh, Tom Hanks made a movie. Yeah. And then Norm came on and, and he had this idea that he wanted to make, you know, the, it's too bad I produced a Sully Sullenberger movie before he safely landed the plane. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? this was his idea. And he made this. So he came on and he had shot it. And it's a total lie. But he's like, yeah, Sully, I'm kind of mad about that Sullenberger guy. And I said, what are you mad about? Well, I made a movie with him before... He did that. And I, why'd you do that? I just chose a pilot and I made a movie with him. And then he goes and does this thing. <laughs> and it's really just Sullenberger. It's Norm playing Sully Sullenberger. <laughs> and he grabbed our makeup woman, Deb Pullman, and said, you're going to be in it too as my wife. <laughs> Literally while he's in the makeup chair. Oh, yeah. yeah what, what are you? Deb, what's your name? Deb. You're going to be in it too. And she's like, okay, didn't even change. She's just wearing the clothes she wore to work. And so he's going like, all right, everybody, it's your Captain uh, Sully Sullenberger, and uh, we're going to now land the plane. Uh, oh, who's here? My wife's here. And Deb <laughs> walked in and went, hi, how are you? Oh, I love you too, dear. And then she left. And he was like, all right, here we go. And we've landed. So uh, there you go. I think we're all good. And then the credits came down. <laughs> it was the randomest, weirdest idea and he made it, and you can see it. Go look for it. And it was one of these things that's not, you know, it never trended or whatever, but it's just out there, and you just see Norm. My favorite thing he did as a comedian was intentionally waste people's time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so, he didn't care in this beautiful way, because people, he, and, and, and he, it was just glorious. And yeah. I look at it now, and I just see him doing this bit and think, wow, I mean, no one else would do that. No one else would make that up, grab the makeup woman, make her be his wife, <laughs> not give a shit, and then leave. And it was really funny. So that was my favorite. Hello. Hello. Hi, what Tom. is your name, please? My name is Brendan. Brendan, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm also from Worcester. I know your family's from Worcester, yeah, Mass. Yeah, they're from so. Worcester, Mass. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a great place. That's not my question. Um <laughs> My question is, could you talk a little bit about uh, like how you got cast in for your cameo in we the Weird Al movie and what shooting, oh. and what shooting that was like? And uh, that's a good question. On set and stuff for that? Well, uh, it was there was no audition, that's for sure. <laughs> Weird Al made this movie, and he just was calling people that he knew that he had kind of a connection to. And I love Weird Al, and he had been on our show many times, and always been very gracious. And I just get this call out of the blue: Conan, will you be in the Weird Al movie? He just, he sent me a text and he just said, will you be in the Weird Al movie as um, Andy Warhol? And the correct answer to any question like this is yes. <laughs> I just in my, my philosophy is when someone says, hey, do you want to do super weird thing? Are you down for it? I just say yes. Oh, I mean, just not long ago, this is just my point. Um, Ted Danson and Woody Harrelson were hanging around our offices in the Larchmont era, area, not too far from here. And I'm chatting with Woody Harrelson. And at one point he went, hey, Conan, would you uh, go in 50-50 on a houseboat with me in Amsterdam? What? And I said, yes, I will, Woody Harrelson. What? What? And I said it because I thought there's a good chance he'll never remember this. But this, the answer oh. is you don't go, no, I got to talk to my wife. When Woody Harrelson asks you if you're going 50-50 on a houseboat in Amsterdam, the answer is yes, oh. I will. Oh, my God. I've never heard back from him. Uh, but I went home and I told my wife, we may be going in 50-50 on a houseboat in Amsterdam with Woody Harrelson. She said, what? What do you mean? Where, where is this houseboat? And I went, don't worry. I don't think it's ever happening. But if it does, I, we can live off the story forever. Yeah. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> 
That's, That's my dream. That's and we could just do a whole other podcast called <laughs> Conan and Woody. <laughs> floating around in Amsterdam. <laughs> oh, that went well. Oh, I probably I probably shouldn't say that. Hi, hi Conan. Hi, Zona. Hi, Matt. What is your yes. name? Danny. Danny. Yes. That's I'm, your brother's name. That is my brother's name. I'm, oh, that is your well, brother. He has a great name. Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited to be here. I love your work so much. And... Uh, it's very important your work and it's very amazing so just congratulations on the podcast oh, and maybe you're being sarcastic no no I, I am being when you got to the very important part I, I, no no I it is, it is important of us. because uh, I need a laugh we need a laugh and, and you oh, guys oh, you. bring nice. us laugh uh, my question is and for, for the three of you what is your favorite film? And I know this is putting you on the spot, but like, do you have an answer for that? Favorite film for Matt, Sonang, and Conan? That's a tough question, but I think honestly my favorite film is Casino Royale. Uh, I'll just say it. That's a good answer. Yeah, Daniel Craig and, you know, Bond. It's just, it makes me I mean, it's a hard question for me. I do separate it. I think I've talked about this. I separate it in genres. So, you know, like my favorite comedy is Galaxy Quest. My favorite rom-com is Moonstruck. My favorite um, kind of dramedy, I guess, would be Adaptation. I don't know. There's what about famous, uh, what's your favorite male stripper movie? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I would say Magic Mike. Um, no, but I- When Magic Mike <laughs> came out, I just, you, you went missing for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, we did a bit because I then do we did a go bit, see the Magic Midnight Mike shows. Came out. Yes, and, and we that did a bit. That one I like more because Joe Manganiello has that very great scene in the liquor store where he's trying to make the girl smile. So he's just like strip teasing with a bottle of Coke, and I'm like, I get this. This is <laughs> this is real yeah. cinema. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I would watch. I would so I would never miss an episode if Sona had a. Movie critics show. Yes, I would, yes. I would watch it. She'd I would like I'd, I'd I mean, watch yeah. it. Well, we've talked about it. I would like. I like everything. So I would be like, that was a good movie. There was lighting, and they did it, and someone wrote it, and they shot it, and that's exciting. Well, we used to. Yeah, we have. <clears throat> this happened all the time. Where on the late night show when we would go and look at movies. Yeah, you would I always come everything. with me, and I'd see them, and you know, whatever. I'm a human being, somewhat discerning, and but. But, you know, so you'd watch things and you'd be like, yeah, that one was okay. But uh, And every time we watched anything, Sona was like, that was fantastic. <laughs> and I would say, really? You liked Glip Glorp and the, and the, well, and it and was the Flip Flub? And you would say, it didn't cost me anything. And those people made that. <laughs> <laughs> they made it and it was on the screen and it started. And then two hours later, it ended. And now I'm having wine that you're paying for. <laughs> yes. That does sound good. It does. It's nice. What about you, Chief? Yeah, you know, I would say, I think, I sometimes I think of it as, and this sounds morbid, but like, what's your, like, you, you have like a day to live. And, and I think of it not in a, I think, trying to think of it in a positive way. Ooh. Like, it's the end of my life and I get to have, no, but I just get to, like, here's what I think of. What's the food I want? I want like a really good Pinot Noir. I want a really good pizza from Naples. And I think I want to watch The Godfather. Mm. Uh, and I know that that's a movie that a lot of people say, but, and, and, and if I can get Godfather 1 and 2 and make it one movie, oh, you that's can. definitely my answer. It's your last day. I yeah, mean, it's my you're going to lose some precious time if you do that. Please, but... this isn't for four years. Okay. Uh, but um, why are you laughing? At Everyone's that? laughing. Everyone's <laughs> laughing at your death. Well, <laughs> you let's go laugh. ahead and cue up The Godfather. You got to <laughs> laugh. Thank you. All right, Thank well, you I think so we much. got time for one more. Come on, Willoughby. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hi, my name is Megan. Hey, um, Megan. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. <laughs> but nervous. Um, oh, don't be nervous. We are, as you can tell, we're just... Uh, we're just hanging out. We're fools hanging out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're idiots. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my question's for whoever wants to answer, but um, when you were a kid and somebody would ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up, what would you say? Oh, podcast sidekick. <laughs> 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 you were in the sandbox. You made yourself a third chair. Yeah. <laughs> Out of Nailed sand. It. Nailed it. A little pine cone for a microphone. Spoke once every 14 minutes. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Sana? What did you want to be? I know this might be shocking. I didn't have very many ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> you were blazing up at four years old, right? I, I honestly, like, <clears throat> looking back on it, I don't think I was ever like, oh, I can't wait to be a doctor. Um, Thank God. I, <laughs> well, Sona, you lost another one. <laughs> what are you going to do? He had a full life. He was 26. He came in for a hernia operation. You killed him. Ah, well. Who's up for some Margies? Margies. Post-op Margies. Um, no, I don't. I really didn't have any, like, I know it's sad, but I was just kind of like, eh, that sounds cool. I'll try that. I know Good. I wanted to work in TV. That, cause yeah. I, that's the only thing I really loved. So I knew that. But I didn't know what. Right. So I did it. Yeah. I um check. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. did do it. I wanted to when I was a kid I really did want to be an entertainer and I thought and but and I've said this before but back then um pre-streaming and just three television stations and not great reception you just watched what was on and mostly what was on channel 38 or channel 56 were old movies because that's what they ran because they didn't have enough content. And so I grew up watching old movies and old musicals and I thought that's what entertainment was. Mm -hmm. So in like the 19, late 1970s, I was thinking, I need to know how to tap dance. <laughs> I need to learn how to talk real fast in an old time voice. You know, I need to get like one of those straw hats and say, hey, you, let's get over here. There's a fire at McCready's Barn. Let's go, you know? <laughs> and then like, but up, I better know a few tunes, you know? And, uh, <laughs> button up your overcoat when the wind blows free. Take good care of yourself. You belong to me. Odeo, odeo. And then I'd go to school and do this shit and the beatings would commence. <laughs> Here's this kid with a bull haircut. And, oh, and, Hey, everybody, my name's Conan. That's oh a cool God. name. Ladies, line up, and I'll have kiss you later. Button up your overcoat. <laughs> and then all these kids, you know, from Somerville and stuff would just be like, oh, I'll beat him first. You beat him second. <laughs> they had meetings. I didn't know I wanted to be a bully when I grew up until I saw this guy. Yeah. <laughs> they had conversations. He inspired me to be a bully. Yeah. They were very organized bullies. Here's how we're going to do it. <laughs> Jason, you're first. Someone's Chrissy, you're second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll hit him primarily in the throat. Soft tissue. Uh, I love was, bullies uh, having a conversation. Bullies, really organized bullies. They have a flow chart of how it's going to work. They prepared. Visual aids. Yeah. Everybody look at your handout. And I'm in the corner. Fellas, hurry it up. You're just standing there. I've got tap dancing lessons to get to. 
These toes are ready to twinkle. <laughs> All right. You've been a great crowd. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Conan O'Brien Meets a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Leal, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 669-587-2847 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This special live-recorded episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend was brought to you by Samsung. I want to say thank you to Samsung for sponsoring this special episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Check out the Samsung Freestyle Second Gen with Gaming Hub. Point the Freestyle anywhere from the floor to the ceiling. Watch your content automatically optimize screen size, focus, and leveling. This happens all by itself. The Freestyle makes it simple. With smart entertainment built in, you can access everything. All of your apps, workouts, recipes, and shows in one portable smart theater. And this thing's incredible. We set the freestyle up in the garage during yeah. our live episode, mm -hmm. gave a demo. It was fantastic. We did. We showed the audience how it works and stuff. And yeah, I was there. You don't have to oh, tell me. I'm, sorry. I'm telling them. I was just telling you because I thought, I don't know, maybe you're on something. What I like, it sounds idiot proof and I need things that are idiot proof. Me too. I like it yeah. when the machine takes care of everything. Yeah. The machine. That's how old I am. Hmm. Samsung has a new machine. I was very impressed with this. I'm going to get one. The Freestyle second-gen portable projector from Samsung allows you to stream thousands of games. No console required. So sick of consoles. Yeah. So tired of them. Yeah. Crowding my life. <laughs> Be sure to follow at Team Coco for updates on the next Clueless Gamer releasing later this year. Streaming games on Samsung Gaming Hub requires a high-speed internet connection, additional gaming service subscription, and compatible controller required.